Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sunday edition of Manna for Breakfast. A little shorter than we normally do because of the day we're supposed to all be in church. <laughs> so maybe you're catching this on your way. It's nice to know that people are continuing to read through the Word of God no matter what day it is. And we do want to try and read the entire Bible in one year. So thank you for being with us on the audio podcast today. And today we are going to be in Proverbs 2, 3, and 4. And we're going to be in John 19, finishing that off. So we'll be looking at those two today as we're looking into the life of Solomon. So let's go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you for this morning and for blessing us and giving us a day to worship you, a day to spend with friends and family and um, maybe do some fun things as we go to go different places in the afternoon. Thank you for the blessings we have. And Father, we now ask you continue to help us as we look into your word to understand the truths in them, and let them have their transforming effect on us. So thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. The life of Solomon, we are continuing on. This is the pursuit of wisdom. Psalm 2. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you and make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, and if you cry for discernment, Lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones, then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil. From the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, whose delight is in doing evil, who rejoice in perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked, who are devourous in their ways, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. Chapter 3, The Rewards of Wisdom My son, do not forget my teaching and let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so that you will find favor and good repute. 
in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. From whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who hold her fast. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, by understanding established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up, and the skies drip with dew. My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not devise harm against your neighbor while he lives securely beside you. Do not contend with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious are an abomination to the Lord and he is intimate with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Though he scoffs at the scoffers, yet he gives grace to the afflicted, and the wise will inherit honor, but fools display dishonor. We'll stop just for those two, because my memory is short, but we do know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and he's telling his son Solomon, following after him, seek after, and really it's metaphoric son, his whoever spiritual son, whoever's looking at this, as Solomon is someone to look up to, 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 to emulate. He says, look for wisdom in the Lord. Look to him. Be wise. Understand that God is the source of all knowledge. God is the source of all truth and everything that is good, and it's apart from evil. There is good, there is evil. You have to come to, con to that conclusion, or you'll never make it in this world. There is evil. And it's a, it's a fool who believes there is no evil. So once you do that, then he says, don't seek your own way. Seek God's way. Don't lean on your understanding to say, I know how to guide my life and go through my life on my own. 
lean on the Lord and ask for his guidance. Acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. Acknowledge that he's the only one who has the answers, and then he'll guide you in the rest of this. And, and that includes a tithing, if you noticed here. Really strong here. This is tough for us men, I think, sometimes more than the women, um, to let go. We have that sense of great responsibility to make sure we have enough for our families, enough for retirement, enough for this, enough for that. So we're going, I can't give all this up. It'll, that's not a wise business decision. And yet wisdom in God says, not, don't seek your own wisdom, even in your finances, seek it in the Lord. And how amazing it is to see you, to be a, a blessed to see people that, that come to church and have learned two things. They've learned that, you know what? There's no greater joy, no greater awakening in my life to know that God is the one who has all the answers, that I don't, and that I cannot find him on my own. And they stop striving it, and they lean on the Lord and into his word, and they press into his word, and they acknowledge him, and they then start seeing God bless them because he says there's length in life when you find this wisdom. And there is a link. I mean, people who follow after God generally live better, healthier lives because they're not drinking and they're not, they're not getting in, involved with immorality and they're getting involved with bad business practice or bad people. They tend to live longer. All right, verse 1 of chapter 4. Hear, O son, the instruction of a father and give attention that you may gain understanding for I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender, and the only son in the sight of my mother. Then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She'll present you with a crown of beauty. Hear my son and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in the upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. And if you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of instruction and do not let go. Guard her. She is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. And do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it and do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep until they do evil. And they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness, and they do not know over what they stumble. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. 
Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your feet from evil. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> I did. I just made a little pun on walking straight. Um, but it is. It is true. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Get your, fix your gaze straight in front of you. Keep walking straight on. This is um, the, the Old Testament equivalent of the New Testament. When you put your hand to the plow, don't turn back. One of the very first songs I ever heard when I was Christian, it was uh, an album I, I, given to me, I guess. And uh, that song stuck with me big time. When you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. The whole song was just a, a melody of that that whole phrase there and i didn't even know the scripture at the time i heard the song first and it's true when you follow after god and you decide i'm let him run my life and i'm going to give him my whole life and I'm, i am not going to strive anymore or be involved in the philosophy of this world to try and make sense of it on my own you start becoming a servant and you follow him because you know he's a loving god and he loves you, and he can guide you, and, and give you all truth. And this is wisdom. This is this essence of wisdom. And with that, you get understanding when you start following the Lord, and you get understanding why we really are alive while we're here, what I'm supposed to do, why things happen, why evil is in the world. It's always so astounding to me to watch these shows where these unsafe people are trying to figure out why there's so much bad and evil in the world because he, they're so convinced the man is basically morally good. So why do we have these problems? And they come up with a lot of goofy answers. The fact is we have a fallen nature. That's, that's as simple as it can get. That's the, the, the knowledge that comes along with wisdom. So now, John 19, picking up in verse 23. Then the soldiers... When they had crucified Jesus, took his uh, outer garments and made four parts, a part to every soldier and also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lot for, for it to decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scriptures. They divided my outer garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus, where his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene, when Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to, to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Verse 31 then the Jews, because it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high Sabbath, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. 
So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the others who were crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, they saw that he had already died. They did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced the side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and, uh, and his testimony is true, that he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you also may believe. For these things came to pass to fulfill the scripture, not a bone of him shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away the body. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes and about a hundred pounds weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Interesting, the Jews had uh, such sensitivity for the Jewish holiday of Passover, a high holiday. Every Saturday was a Sabbath, but then you had the high Sabbath, which... I believe, came every seven years, a special celebration. So this was a special one, obviously, the most special in history. And they wanted to be nice guys and break the legs of the people on the cross. It's, I mean, I'm sorry, it's just so gory, but that would obviously, they could no longer lift up the, themselves and breathe. There would be no way really to lift themselves up. As soon as the legs are broken, then they asphyxiate rather quickly. What a, it's a horrible, horrible way to die. But I guess the issue was, even in death, see, they could not arrest Jesus. He had authority. They had no power over him there. The ruler of the world had no power over him as well. When he said, nobody, uh, you don't have authority over me unless it came from my father above. And so even the soldiers did not have the power to cause his death. Jesus yielded up his life. And this is why you don't see his legs broken and asphyxiated. They didn't have the ability to cause him to die. Yes, they put him on the cross. And physically, that was the act that was used to cause people to die. You could argue that case, but you could just as easily argue that Jesus, who was fully divine as well as fully man, could have easily kept himself alive. If he could bring anyone back from the dead and heal the sick, uh, even though he was on the cross, if he chose to, he could have stayed alive. But he yielded up his life. He said, Father, it is finished. Cried out to his father because he had paid the price for sin. And that was the only reason he was there. And so in all things, he maintained his ministry as the high priest to go and intercede for us before God. And so he was the high priest at the same time, the Lamb of God. Quite a mystery and quite amazing when you stop and think about it. Now, Charles Spurgeon, Faith's checkbook. Fear not, for thou shalt be not ashamed. Isaiah 54, 4. We shall not be ashamed of our faith, 
Carpian critics may assail the scriptures upon which we ground our belief, but every year the Lord will make it more and more clear that in his book there is no error, no excess, no omission. It is no discredit to be a simple believer. The faith which looks alone to Jesus is a crown of honor on any man's head and better than the star on his breast. We shall not be ashamed of our hope. It shall be even as the Lord has said. We shall be fed, led, blessed, and rested. Our Lord will come, and then the days of our mourning shall be ended. How we shall glory in the Lord, who first gave us lively hope, and then gave us that which we hoped for. We shall not be ashamed of our love. Jesus is to us altogether lovely, and never, never shall we have to blush because we have yielded our hearts to him. The sight of our glorious well-beloved will justify the most enthusiastic attachment to him. None will blame the martyrs for dying for him. When the enemies of Christ are clothed with everlasting contempt, the lovers of Jesus shall find themselves honored by all holy things because they chose the reproach of Christ rather than the treasures of Egypt. Boy, is that profound. And I'm, I'm marveling at his, his assurance of the accuracy of the scriptures, that it is the, the, the truth of God. There is no omissions. There is no errors. And stop and think about that. With the time he lived, and I, I believe he right, lived right at the end of the 1800s into the early 1900s, which means he lived before World War II, which means he never saw Israel established as a nation. And yet, what does he preach on it? From the pulpit, he preached on Ezekiel and Daniel and Revelation. He preached that Israel would be a nation. He knew the scriptures aren't broken and they're reliable. So something that didn't yet exist in his time, he was sure that the scriptures were reliable and that Israel would once again be a nation. I mean, those kind of things are blow my mind, but it shouldn't. I mean, it's just like we today are the church that knows the tribulation is coming. We know it's, it's about to happen. We see everything lining up in the world for it. And so many other people are trying to look for a way to explain it away and say it's metaphor and say something that's allegorical. And we say no, because they tried to say that about Israel. It's all allegorical. It's not real. It's not, doesn't really mean Israel physically would come back. Well, people are going to be shocked again because of, we know it's coming. So what shall we do in the days that we live? Well, pretty simple. Seek wisdom, live for him. And know that it'll never be a shameful thing to love Christ with all your heart and soul and mind. Whether we have to yield up our lives or not, it'll never be to us a shameful thing. It'll be a glorious thing. It will be, it'll be a holy thing for the lovers of God who find themselves honored by all holy things because they chose the reproach of Christ rather than the treasures of Egypt, which is a type of the world. Hmm. 
tremendous. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, and thank you for blessing us, the time that we have in the Word every morning. We, God, we just ask you to continue to well up within us, guide us in our hearts, give us that wisdom combined with knowledge to know how to continue on and be an encouragement to others around us. So many people are lost and so many people are living foolish lives, destructive lives. And they come to us sometimes and say, why? How are you different? Why, why do you smile? Why, aren't you, why is everything going good for you? And my life's falling apart. God, open up those doors so we can just share it's not us. It's simply us responding to your love, to your goodness, to the call of letting you come in and wash us clean and be our pastor and our savior. So thank you. And again, God, a prayer for those that have been in close proximity, God, to a lot of difficulties in their life. People have been just struggling, and whether it be with addictions or with evil entities that have been demonic or what have you got involved with the cults, involved with all kinds of horrible things. God, deliver them. We pray for a special prayer. Today you would touch them and bring them out of that so that they can then join us in the family, in the, in the, in the kingdom of our God and live out their days dedicated for the holy things that are in you and not those things in the world. So God, special blessing upon anyone today that needs to surrender those things that are not of light but of darkness. We know you're calling them out, God, and help them to make that decision even right now. And thank you for the services that we're having or have had. And ask God that you would your word will go out strong and would be everlasting. Help people to remember them and apply the things that you desire to show us and teach us. We bless you, God, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.